head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Ringer Prestige TV podcast. It's flyover country with Ryan Rosillo and Chris Ryan. We're doing Yellowstone episodes four and five of season four. We skipped one because of Thanksgiving. Now we've got the leftover plate. Got like a big feast for you, Ryan. What's going on? I'm fired up, man. Fired up. So are you fired up because they've just like pot committed to this Jimmy thing where like there's a second show inside of Yellowstone that's setting up the the four sixes ranch because I'm actually starting to come all the way around on this. Uh, yeah, because, you know, we were down on Jimmy a little bit there. When we opened up, I think this season we go that slight moment you thought Jimmy might be dead. Be honest. How did you feel? <laughs> and it's pretty mean. <laughs> yeah. Revisiting that that thought. Uh, but I love the four sixes. I almost don't know if we should start the pod with this or end it, but when Jimmy's there at the end after hanging out with um, a couple different people and and one's Buster Welch, who's 91, he's a real guy, he's a nine-time world champ, and that's the the Texan cowboy, I don't know what his deal is, his delivery. The other guy's Barry Corbin, who's Barry Corbin's, yeah, 81. He's the guy sitting with Buster. He was, he's a Texas tech guy. He was a Marine He's in no, Northern Exposure, No Country for Old Men, yeah. Ghost Dad? <laughs> yes. He is in Ghost Dad, for those that know. And so that line where the other cowboy grabs Jimmy, he's like, you're ready to work. And then he's like, hey, do you, you take anything from listening to, to Buster and then uh, Corbin? And he goes, there's three gods in Texas. The Almighty himself, Buster Welsh, George Strait. And you're just like, that was perfect. It was my favorite line so far of the season. Yeah, you know, so this started out as, I thought, a backdoor pilot. Like, I, when the, in the first episode, there's, or the first two episodes, there's the 1883 extended sequence that is essentially like a trailer for that spinoff show. And then this Jimmy subplot, which is Jimmy's going to go to Texas and work on this ranch to, I don't know, like, you know, find himself. They're trying to inject, like, actually hook him up to an IV at Texas Cowboy is what it feels like. Yeah, and it's half punishment, half outward bound kind of thing. 
And Taylor Sheridan, the actual, as an actor, is, is playing a big part in that is Travis, who's the horse trainer who's going to take Jimmy to Texas. And you're kind of like, okay, cool. You guys are setting up this spinoff. We'll see Jimmy in a year and a half or whenever they get this thing off the ground. And instead, this Jimmy plotline has now taken up, I would say, as much oxygen as any other main character on the show, uh, where we are following him down on his journey to Texas and we'll likely like spend time with him over the course of the season. That's actually like... I, if you deprogram your brain from like everything needs to be moving towards a uh, an endpoint or some sort of plot resolution, and you're just like, this is just hanging out in this universe, I think it's actually pretty fun. I just don't know really what it has to do with what's going to happen on the Dutton Ranch this season. Yeah, really good question. Because I, as we mentioned before, I always love the authentic horse part of this, um, the 4-6 ranch thing. I mean, if you think about what Sheridan's doing here, this is pretty impossible to pull off as a creator where you go, yeah, actually my passion is, as we saw with Travis, who's played by Taylor um, in episode four, where they show him actually doing some of the stuff with horse, you know, I, again, I don't even know all the fucking terminology. Um, it's, this is clearly like, it, it, imagine if, imagine if Matthew Weiner was the biggest oil painting enthusiast. Okay, and then all of a sudden, Mad Men veered off into the world of oil painting, like as this subplot to everything else that was going on because he was just that passionate. Like this is kind of crazy that yeah. Taylor's pulling this off and going beyond the Yellowstone Ranch storyline. I'm going to sprinkle in what is my biggest passion, and that's training horse, cutting horses, and this ranch that he's now. In, I guess he bought. Right? Is that what so you're he's, saying? He's the face of the investment group that bought the four sixes. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to find a way to put all this stuff in. But every time you would think, like, I can't imagine pitching that to the studio. Granted, he kind of got like a blank canvas, do whatever he wanted, um, because Paramount was like, go ahead, just do your thing. You've been amazing on everything else you've done. So to force it in and then still have it work and me look forward to those scenes and like the delivery, like when the Texan says the same thing about three gods and Bush Welch, and he's, he's saying, I hope you got a big dick, Jimmy. <laughs> And it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these guys have done a really good job of feeling authentic and not, hey, cameo of person that's never been on TV before. It's it's working. And that doesn't work very often. Yeah. So when you're watching it and you're just like, Jesus, like this landscape is just amazing. These characters are kind of just absolute originals. And I'm really interested in seeing this ranch. And then you remember you're watching Yellowstone. And I think if I had like anything I would say is just that it's not even a critique as much as it is just an observation that there is one thing that's happening on this season that is of the utmost urgency. And that is Jamie has discovered that his biological father is likely, I mean, they're playing a little bit like hide and seek with it, but in all likelihood, Jamie's biological father orchestrated a multi-pronged hit attempt on all members of the Dutton family other than Jamie. And it failed. And now they're searching for this killer and Jamie has discovered it's his biological father and that is treated as kind of like a we'll get to it when we get to it kind of plot point in the show while all this other stuff, be it Jimmy's trip to Texas or uh, Casey and Monica like looking at Montana Zillow or Beth driving <laughs> to Salt Lake City to fire a guy or John getting into an, an uh, like kind of falling for an environmentalist. Like all of this other <laughs> stuff is happening and you're like, yeah, but Jamie's dad when Michael Corleone on, on all these people, we got to get to this, which we don't really until the very end of the fifth episode. Do you, do you mind that this stuff is all being kind of treated at equal with equal frequency? 
Um, no, it's a good it's a good question because I hadn't really thought about that. Like, all right, how how much should we veer off into some of these other things? Because I, I think a lot of us would admit, like, even with the Sopranos, you would go, ah, you know, Meadow episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, as we've mentioned before, and any the stuff that we've done is that Meadow rounded out the Tony character and, and you need that kind of stuff. But these these storylines are kind of existing on their own. Um, and even though, you know, I haven't always loved Jimmy, but I understood what his role was to kind of balance you out in the, in the bunkhouse with all these guys that are like really rough around the edges, guys that feel more likely to be in a, in a ranch bunkhouse for the rest of their lives. Um, I'm, I'm good with it. Like I thought in episode four, Travis driving down is hilarious. Yeah. Like he just, the delivery of his lines where he's like, Hey, do you want me to drive a little bit? And Travis is like $125,000 truck. $150,000 rig, a couple million dollars of the horses, I drive. And then you're like, okay, he's just being a dick. And then when he's like, Roadhouse is the best movie ever. Yeah. I want to be just like Sam Elliott. With, like, with Swayze's are, hair. What are yeah. the mullets coming back? Yeah. And I mean, he knows they're kind of stupid and goofy lines, but it's perfect because you're going, wait, you're riding shotgun with a guy that's favorite movie. He thinks the greatest movie of all time is Roadhouse. So I've, I've enjoyed that stuff, um, even though, you know, look, I, I don't think, I don't think any of us would say that Monica teaching on a college campus were our favorite uh, scenes because sure. it's sure. just not what you're signing up for when you're watching this show. But um, uh, can I ask you something, though, about the Jamie and the father part of this, the biological yeah, father sure. part of it? They were so obvious in the delivery. You want to talk about a quarterback staring down his receiver in that as we're trying to figure it out. Because at the end of season three, they tease us a little bit that Jamie's involvement could be the most you know easy connection to this because yeah. Rip calls Jamie and Jamie's like, I don't think you should talk to me anymore. Right. So you're like, wait a minute. Okay. So was Jamie actually behind this? Then we find out that he isn't. And then they just, they deliver that storyline to you in the previous episode being like, it's going to be Jamie's father that honestly, Chris, it was so obvious. I thought, wait, are we being played here again? Because they're making it too obvious that it is his father. Yeah. So there's some weird TV stuff happening in this one where we never actually get a confirmative if that's a word, Confirmation. Head, head nod from the jailhouse stooly guy yes. who's like, I will get give you this name for immunity. And they're like, was this my dad? And the guy is like, Ugh, but doesn't quite nod and it cuts away. And in that scene, they're also cross-cutting to Garrett, played by Will Patton, coming back to Jamie's new house and being like, there's a knock at the door. Hello? And it's unclear as like who it is or like whether like how that whole scene is taking place. And then we get to the very end of the episode and they're like, do you have a secret to tell me? And Garrett's like, do you have a secret to tell me? And it's like very unclear as to whether or not is Garrett actually like, you know, orchestrating this whole thing where he's like found Jamie's, the the mother of Jamie's child and his and his son and like kind of brought them in. And now he's going to be like, if you give me up, like your kids are going to be in danger or is he actually going to try and make a pitch for, I tried to eliminate the rest of your family so that you, your, your wife, your son or your girlfriend, your son and me can sort of take over this area. I don't know. I think it's a little bit of like, uh, I would, I, I think I probably prefer it a little bit more straightforward at this point. Like I would just be like, if this guy did it, like, let's just like address it head on. But I understand the need to kind of drag it out. It is the central mystery of the series, the season, though. So I guess it's like they're they've got to spin their wheels a little bit. I don't know if you remember off the top of your head. I hate when Simmons and I are doing NBA pods and we'll like throw out a random salary and it'll be like, "Is it this?" I'm like, "Well, look, can we just can we look it up?" 
Yeah. And, and on this one, I couldn't remember the last time Jamie's girlfriend was in play in one of the storylines here. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it, didn't it feel a little bit like Truman's show where it's like, hey, Truman, it's your dad. He didn't drown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had I, forgotten that she was like, you're, you know, I won't let you see your son until you like dis- disassociate from your family. Like I had completely forgotten Jamie's, like the reason why Jamie's son wasn't around. I thought it was one of those things that they kind of like yada yada off the show. So yeah, I'm looking it up now. I think the last time she was in an episode was episode nine of season two. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, I might be wrong. I mean, I'm just going IMDB on this one here last minute. So when she shows up, I'm like, whoa. And now we're completely derailed from getting to what we thought was going to be the bottom of, you know, sort of a mid-season reveal that that Jamie's biological father is behind this because that's what every clue is, is led us. I mean, honestly, they're they're telling you, they're screaming at you that this is it. And like I right. said before, it's almost so obvious. I wonder if they're fucking with us. Um, but when she just rolls in and it's great, it's ready-made. Like the kid is beyond the alien baby phase. She still looks great. <laughs> He's got a place. You know, and if yeah. anything needs welding, his dad's on the scene. So that goes from really intense to, all right, we're good here. Yeah. And I didn't think she was about that life. I really didn't. You know, she was going after him when he was a politician. Yeah, she was like that, his, like, like worked at his office, right? Yeah, she had, she had like hoping to be on MSNBC for some TV hit vibes in <laughs> sure. five years. Not, you know, let's make clothing on site. <laughs> We could talk about some of the other characters. My big thing, you know, in the, with with John this season is he's obviously still recovering from his injuries, but I thought they actually did a nice job in the opening of episode 5 and it is sort of the undercurrent, like it's a question that's out there that isn't probably going to get a satisfactory answer, but you know, what what is this house if it's not full of these kids and not full of their drama and he's just kind of like here I am just drinking alone at sunset, eating by myself, washing myself, and dragging my ass into bed. And he's, you know, grappling with this idea that, like, would you rather have, like, a house that's full of people in chaos or basically be alone with Beth drinking herself to sleep every night? Um, the John stuff, though, like, he was with the governor, right? And then they broke, they eventually, yeah. like, broke their relationship off. I may, Maybe this... Maybe this thing with the environmentalist is uh, is just going to be, you know, a reaching across the aisle so that he can just better understand the conservation movement. I don't, I don't know if that's something Taylor is interested in in talking about, but uh, it seems like they're setting her up to be his love interest. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, when he starts the episode, oh, you can't, you can't wash the lonely off. <laughs> And then it's like, hey, Beth, what are you going to do over there? Go into a brownout after five or six while I try to sleep over here? All right, cool. Have fun. Yeah. And you make a great point. Like, what is the house? What is the ranch if it's just him? That's not the point. That's yeah. never been the point. I mean, that's been a constant theme throughout. And him being happy that she's drinking over by the fireplace, even if it's weird, in his bed while he goes to sleep. He was just kind of cool with it. But you're, you're right. All right, so give me... Give me your Summer Higgins breakdown. Summer and the gang dump fake blood on themselves to protest basically the Livestock Commission building, and then they get arrested, and then John has a change. He He's like, is he eating? And he says, fuck it, and then he goes and bails yeah, her out. Yeah, he's just like, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have pressed charges. Let's let's do a little Summer Higgins. I, this, is, this is my own kind of read on this, but 
She seems about my age, like early 40s. Uh, I'm guessing Mount Holyoke, maybe double uh, like environmental uh, affairs slash poli sci major. Smith, Smith, maybe. Yeah, maybe did a little bit of time on K Street doing lobbying for Greenpeace or that kind of thing, but then realized that the real fight was out in the streets and has spent most of her time getting arrested at different protests. Bet she has parents, maybe a trust fund to get her give her bail money or whatever. But you know, I mean, looks, looks, and looks, it's Piper Parabo, who's, uh, you know, a veteran TV actor. She's on The Big Leap on Fox right now. So this is probably just a guest turn for her on Yellowstone. But that's my read on, on Summer. I, uh, the, I, I find naming an environmental protester Summer a little bit on the nose. Yeah, the naming part um, of, of Laramie is still my favorite name on <laughs> the entire show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we have to make sure we don't forget about Lloyd's downfall here because we got to oh, get we're a little getting Lloyd. Deloyed. We're getting we got to get a little Lloyd in there. But uh, yeah, let's let's go full zag on who John Dutton would want to hang out with. I love that they wrote in where she leaves the jailhouse. He's like, why don't you come to my ranch? Um, and by the way, I think Dutton dresses nicer than that guy would. He has a constant rotation of the padded sort of quilted pattern jacket thing. The jackets, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's like we've mentioned before, it's a little Logan Roy, but Montana it. Yeah. And he always is dressed great. The fixtures in the shower were terrific. There's a lot of high-end stuff going on with both his wardrobe, which maybe Beth just buys it for him. Um, and some of the I gotta fixtures. say, I prefer that to the, and and I don't want to get in trouble here with any of, of the ranch hands, but the four sixes guys dress like Saturn car salesmen. Like the way they have like the shirts kind of tucked into the khakis. I'm not touching that. <laughs> these Steve, are real maybe we guys. should cut that. I know. <laughs> these are real guys. I, I just don't. I, mean, I understand it's like a cowboy George Strait thing to tuck the shirt in. It's just pretty funny to me. Yeah, I don't. I think you're. I think I'm on an island on that yeah, one. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not touching that one. So back to back to summer. Um, when she says, you know, he's like, hey, when you come back to the ranch, and she's like, oh, I'm supposed to just get in a truck with a charming white male in his 50s. And I was like, there's no way that's not what that person is thinking. Sure. And again, if I meet somebody and the first thing they ask me is, are you going to chop me up and store me in the woods? I'll be like, maybe I'll just get your phone number. And we will follow up. <laughs> maybe we won't hang out right now. If that's the first question you're asking me, um, we will we will follow up a little bit later. So. I don't know. What do you think of the name? I'm curious to know whether or not it's like, that's like a uh, change my name legally to Summer at 18 or whether her real name is like Sarah, or, you know? And, and it was just like, after a while, she was just like to embrace my 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 Greenpeace bona fides. I'm going to change the name. I just think like, ultimately, like Taylor can crowdsource that. We could come up with a better, what, do you, what, what would be a better name than Summer Higgins for that character? Well, Beth is already taken. She looks like a Jenny, maybe. Jenny? Yeah. Yeah, but she wouldn't stay with Jenny because she'd right. want to be taken more seriously later on. Jenny with an eye with a heart dot on top of the eye. <laughs> uh, I, I can only tell you as a uh, someone attempting to, to dabble in this world, coming up with names on a TV show is way harder than you think it is. Now, I know it sounds ridiculous. You're like, what, what's the point? Just look up names. Look up baby names and then just pick one. But you'll want to be a little, you don't want to just go, hey, this person's John, this person's Henry, this person's Meg, and on and on and on. 
and I'll start just writing in names from people that I know just to get through the script, knowing you're going to change it all later anyway. You know, like most of the times the pilot to whatever ends up, somebody will go through it and be like, hey, let's change some of this stuff. I remember just as a quick aside, I've written down names of, of, of women that I spent time with. And then if somebody who I'm talking to will be like, hey, can I read something you've written? And then they'll see a name that register and they'll be like, are you still talking to that person? And I go, you know, all I was doing was trying to get through fucking 60 pages of typing. Right. That's it. That's, there was nothing else there. It was just simply. So if I look at one of your scripts, am I going to find like the, the chief bank robber is named Colin Coward? (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, that's, you know, you'd be like, oh, wow, this guy sucks. Rosillo hated this guy. Like every, every time this guy says something, he sounds like an asshole. Let's talk a little bit about Lloyd. This is another plot line that I did not think would get so much uh, screen time, but they're really they're really leaning into it. Uh, Lloyd is kind of the the Kemba Walker of the uh, of the Dutton Ranch, just out of the rotation. And this is all stemming from <laughs> great call, uh, by the way. Wow, thank you. <laughs> they are. Uh, it's stemming from this this situation with Walker, where Walker had left and come back, and there was a lot of drama about his return and Casey sort of spares his life uh, and makes him cut a guy's heart out, basically, uh, to prove that he belongs back on the ranch. Walker and Lloyd do not get along. And Lloyd started a fight with Walker, which is apparently the worst thing you can do on a ranch where uh, mass murder occurs on a pretty regular basis. Rip beats the shit out of him and is now got him in the doghouse cleaning out stalls. This does allow for a very heartwarming subplot between uh, Lloyd and uh, Carter, who Lloyd is showing Carter the warmth that Rip is not. But uh, yeah, this Lloyd plot line is tough, man. It's it's sad watching this guy not get to break Colts and have to like teach saddle anatomy to, to a little kid. Yeah, the kid was great, though, as they were running through. I was trying to memorize all the parts of the saddle as well, and the kid was just on it. He was yeah. great. So I think they're doing like, hey, this, this kid might have some cowboy in him yet. That's right. He's going to come back, and Jimmy's going to be low man. And this kid's going to be ahead of him. <laughs> I don't like the Lloyd storyline. It, it, it just went to chaos way too fast for me. I don't quite get it. Look, if I'm Lloyd and I'm 60 and I'm sleeping with Laramie and then Walker takes it from me, I'd be way worse than Lloyd is on the show. Okay? <laughs> way worse. And then I got to watch it. And at first, Lloyd seemed okay with it. Because remember, he was just like, whatever, barrel racers, they're nuts. And this, yeah. this is a yeah, good yeah. run. And I'm fine with it. And then it was like, how come he's not more mad? And now he's mad. He fought. You're right. Like, the fighting rule seems rather strict for a ranch. And then Rip has to beat the shit out of him. And then when Lloyd, I guess they also did the other thing where Lloyd was bringing back the cattle that had pink eye. And he kind of did it the wrong way by bringing him into the arena. And then, you know, John and Rip both got pissed at him. And Walker and the rest of the Cowboys were saying, like, Lloyd, we're doing this wrong. So they were kind of like trying to do all these, like, downfall yeah. Lloyd things, but then Lloyd he, loses the locker room. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's, he's lost the locker room. They're, they've tuned him out. They need yeah. a new message, but it's still, he's been such a, a positive. He's, you know, his, his plus minus box score has always been in the positives for multiple seasons. It's hard to see him like this. And you're wondering, okay, is he going to pivot to nurturing Charlie or is he going to burn this fucking place down? And for yeah. the longest part i thought it was going to be the latter but maybe that was just a little sampling of of motivating us to understand well like again why is he now going to be boys with this little kid well because no one likes him right now in the bunkhouse which is kind of bullshit anyway 
Right. I just want to get to a point in my life. I don't know what the scenario should be, but I honestly, sincerely want to be able to say to a friend of mine, God damn you for making me do this to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like maybe I'll just take Fennessy's car one day. And I'll be like, God damn you for making you do this. <laughs> I think you should just do it and not like just see what they're... Because at least Lloyd understood it. Yeah. It would be way funnier if you just start doing it to people around the office and no one... They're like, why is he doing like, that? Like, is this, did I break some rules? Does Chris get my car now? He's just really um, into Yellowstone. Anything else you wanted to hit? I guess like the Casey Monica stuff, like uh, Tate getting some sweat lodge action in. He's going to go up on a hill with Mo. Uh, I, I did find Monica like choosing this house in between the Yellowstone and Bozeman. That's got to be like a, like what, hour and a half commute for Casey? I mean, that's not like super convenient. I don't think Monica cares right now. I think she has all the cards. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I was glad to see Rainwater get in there with some Rainwater yeah. spirituality there. And I was like, all right, okay, cool. We're back on this. I mean, in episode five, you could call it Mellowstone. It yeah. was very, yeah. It was very much like, all right, we're at the midway point here. We're gonna all kind of chill out. We're gonna get Dutton a girl. We're gonna have Beth drive seven hours to fire <laughs> Schwartz and Myers guy, Bobby, that poor guy. I always kind of liked him. I, I don't know. I, I was never rooting against him. Yeah, I like him. I, I also found it pretty funny because she's eating breakfast with John. You figured that's probably like a little bit after uh -oh. dawn. Here right? we go. Continuity well, director. Just saying, she's eating breakfast in Montana with John at like, let's say 6.37. Huge breakfast. She's not eating. She only smokes cigarettes and drinks coffee until noon. And then she's going to drive seven hours. It would just be really funny if she got there and they were like, yeah, we're closing up the office. <laughs> it's like five o'clock. Can you come back tomorrow? <laughs> and with Fine. daylight savings, you yeah, know, the sun right? going down earlier. Who knows? Although I imagine mountain range, she's they have the sun a little bit longer. Oh yeah, that's right. They can they they can, they keep the light a little bit more in the valley. Well, I mean, I guess we could wrap it up there. I like the, the, we'll find out probably more in the next episode about whether or not this this Garrett plot is for real or not. And but did you have anything else you wanted to hit? I really do think that this was all done um, with a lot of purpose, though. I, yeah, I, I think there was just kind of like a reseeding of these different storylines. Um, because you can't just have everybody running around killing each other all the time, right? I mean, no. I mean, even though I we enjoy the, it. The interesting, I guess the difference this time around with this kind of uh, resetting of the chessboard is that all the players are very like physically distant. You know, like Beth seems to be primarily concerned with working for Jackie Weaver. Uh, Rip is primarily concerned with bullying an old man and a child. Casey is off off the ranch. <laughs> Jamie is off the ranch. Like all these people are off the ranch except for John, which I guess sets up his relationship with Summer because he's going to have tons of privacy. Yeah. You just said, I'm a little scared because like, what are Summer's possibilities? I think that she'll probably be like, I, I think that she will not get along well with Beth. Uh, I think, yeah. uh, I think that it'll bring up the idea of like, if we're all like away from dad, like what does he get up to? And maybe Summer's like, you know what you should do is like donate half your ranch to uh, the Sierra Club or something. And then Beth just beats the shit out of her. <laughs> That's right. Beth just fucking sues the Sierra Club into <laughs> Beth is on it, by the way. You know, I think there, if there's one last thing is that episode five was almost a come down from Beth on 11. Oh, in yeah. episode four. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever you thought her ceiling was, she has smashed through that. And we are getting all time Beth. Uh, midpoint of this season. It does also seem like 
I know that she almost died in an explosion and that's probably what's impacting her mood the most. But it does seem like she is most upset by like Carter's behavior at the store. Like when she took that kid to go buy clothes <laughs> and he was like, no, I want this shirt. She was like, God damn you. <laughs> now she's been on like a six day bender because this kid wanted a, a fucking t-shirt at the store. <laughs> Which looked good on him. Yeah, he was. He has good taste. It fit uh, perfectly. All right. Uh, I would like to uh, issue a public apology to all cowboys at the four six ranches. I do not live in Los Angeles, California. Please don't dox me and or trample me with horses. You guys look really cool. I'm going to start tucking my shirt in personally. Uh, <laughs> this episode is dedicated to the three gods of Texas. Thanks, Ryan. Good talking. To you.